Hello, I'm Noelle Lim on ASEAN Speaks by Maybank. Meta, formerly known as Facebook, as well as Microsoft and NVIDIA are some leading companies that have invested billions of dollars in developing the Metaverse, which is intended to be 3D virtual ecosystems powered by social connections facilitated by virtual and augmented reality technologies, essentially offering consumers immersive experiences regardless of their location. 7 out of 10 consumers surveyed have tried a metaverse-related technology in Southeast Asia in 2021. This is according to a recent study by Meta and Bain & Co. on Southeast Asia's digital consumers. The report also indicates that Southeast Asia is expected to be ahead in the adoption of Web 3.0 and metaverse-related tools and technologies, in line with the rapid rise of the creator economy. I caught up with one of the authors of the report, Dhruv Vora, who is the Managing Director of Meta Business Group Southeast Asia, to learn more. While Southeast Asia has a fast-growing young population, the region's income per capita is lower than the US and Europe, 5G rollout is uneven, and companies here tend to be pragmatic in their capital expenditure spend. What will catalyze the growth of demand for metaverse and related technologies in this part of the world? Let me reflect on that point, right? So you make a good point about the per capita income and in general, the rollout of 5G. But if you take a few steps back and look at the macro in Southeast Asia, this is one of the largest, most thriving internet communities in the world. Uh, There were 70 million new first-time digital consumers that came online and started transacting for the first time since the pandemic. That's bigger than the population of the UK. The average increase in GMB even from uh, 2020, GMV is the gross mercantile value of goods and products bought and sold online, has increased almost by 2x, almost 1.7x, in fact. And this continues to grow. So even though post-pandemic, there's been a slight slowdown in online GMV, the CAGR is still expected to be 17%. So 8 out of 10 people in this region are still digital consumers. And what's really exciting as compared to other regions in the world is that we have two simultaneous trends. One, new users keep coming online to buy for the first time. And secondly, existing users buy more and more. So the average revenue per user, even though the per capita income is low, the growth of average revenue per user for online businesses is increasing exponentially. So that's the macro. Now add the consumer behavior lens to it, and you'll observe that our population is highly experimental. So in the last 12 months, almost 50% of the people have switched the brand that they buy. More than a third have switched the channel they buy from. And they just love experimenting with new technology. So if you just take the example of Thailand, 74% have used the metaverse-related tech. 40% have used fintech or crypto. 30% have used AR or VR. And this sort of varies by country. Uh, Indonesia, for example, and Vietnam, Thailand a bit ahead, Singapore, Malaysia catching up. So the macroeconomic environment uh, and the macroeconomic realities of Southeast Asia, combined with the consumer behavior of experimentation, really leads to this what we're seeing in, in adoption of future of tech. And then add to that some institutional factors. Uh, we are one of the highest invested VC regions in the world. Most of the venture capital is in future tech, fintech, and there's no real definition of metaverse. You must be wondering why I'm talking about these ancillary things. But if you really break it down, what gives you the indication that 
metaverse might be a thing in future is some of these sub technologies whether it's crypto or fintech or nfts and we're seeing a lot of investment in this region remember structurally we have been quite a unbanked and underbanked region so some of these technologies are actually service that uh, that particular target segment we also have innovation in our region where small businesses want to try new things and this is like a new economy it's it's like a new way of making money over time uh, so those are the combination of things that are helping propel the metaverse in this region so we as you know recently did a study with bain so we've been doing a study with bain every year for the last 5 years because this is such an exciting region it started with the rising middle class adoption of technology and then what happened in the pandemic and now this year we asked the question to about 13000 respondents in southeast asia on questions around hey are you or have you in the last 12 months interacted with ar or vr technology or worlds and we found that 7 in 10 people in southeast asia said that they have experimented with something around this so the numbers vary by country we actually have a country card in the report that's available remember it's very difficult to ask a question around innovation because we don't have a base to compare it with so all we did this time was try and understand are people willing to adopt such a technology or have they used it but i think our our sample size was 13 to 15000 just looking at the markets in asean which do you think would lead i know you mentioned like thailand for example but i'm also curious about vietnam and even malaysia If you think about VC investments in Southeast Asia, 50% of all VC investments are Singapore and Indonesia based. But I think Vietnam is growing fast. But then if you total up the population of Malaysia and Philippines, you'll find that the number of digital consumers is quite significant along with Thailand. Certainly regulation plays a big role. If you if you, if you see recently uh Singapore's a lot of things changing around the fintech uh, ecosystem and and as those things happen consumer behavior obviously is already ahead uh, things come together in a magical way in relation to the metaverse what sort of regulations would you uh, need or would we need general i think metaverse is the future maybe like 10 years down future of the digital economy one thing that we have going for us in the region is consumer behavior that's already ahead of the pack now what translates uh, what goes further from that is a, is a ecosystem partnership between businesses tech companies like ours governments and institutions but broadly speaking you could talk about this in two or three themes the first is just around infrastructure so whether that's connectivity creating an environment where innovation is incentivized the ease of doing business the climate is is good i think indonesia is taking a taking many steps there you you would have heard of the b20 and the g20 conference they had a lot of it was around digitization of smes 90% of businesses in indonesia are smes and the government can do a lot there along with along with players such as us we are heavily invested uh, with ecosystem partners and making sure that we do our bit at skilling for example also around regulation it's more about demystifying technology e-commerce cross border laws so that people understand what the status quo is and what is the framework within which they need to operate and then lastly around education whether it's investing in stem education making sure that there is digital skill available we have a whatsapp uh, for business program in many countries we also run a boost with facebook program which which allows people to gain digital skills specific to metaverse i think the real core sentiment here is that societies and countries are built on the foundational stone of culture and art so my personal opinion is 
how do governments make this VR, AR, imaginary world become a little bit more real to people? Because if you take a step back and ask, will there be a new form factor in which we consume technology? The answer is yes. I mean, we had mobile internet not, not long ago. We have business messaging now and the rate of adoption is quite high. It's not far-fetched to assume that there would be a immersive 3D form factor in the future. We recently did this project called Art Reimagined in Singapore, where we took traditional art, made it available in the VR and AR format. And we had quite a good response around there. And culture being the cornerstone of society and, and AR, VR, and the metaverse playing a part in it in future is, I think, what could be a massive catalyst in, in, in making this a reality. Even if you don't believe in the concept of metaverse as it is laid out in the world, all you have to do is believe in the fact that there will be a new form factor that will be more immersive, 3D and three-dimensional in the way it operates. So consumer-based companies like Nike have created a metaverse with its virtual Nike Land, which is also a platform to trade NFTs for shoes. Can you share your vision on how the metaverse could transform essential industries like banking, healthcare, and solve some of the world's biggest problems like climate change? That's a deep question. And look, we're all waiting to see what happens. This is a process of evolution. Each industry will adapt it in its own way. What I can say right now is that the cornerstone uh, or, or one of the fundamental pillars of making this work is also the creator ecosystem. So you talked about education and health tech. The fact is that we need to make tools and infrastructure available for practitioners in these industries to be able to easily access and make content in the 3D immersive world. And at this stage, what's important is the creator ecosystem and people who are able to express themselves uh, in the metaverse especially for the financial service industry. If I take an example, and again, this is a bit tangential because we don't have specific answers for specific industries right now, but you might've heard that we have this feature called digital collectibles on Instagram, which allows a creator to create NFT and for people to collect it. So think of a education practitioner, like who has a specialization in a particular subject, it could be art or psychology, they create some content, they're able to add a layer of authenticity to it because of NFTs and they can make a non-fungible token that can be exchanged over time or that thought leadership can be exchanged over time. It can actually build a community around that thought leadership that is decentralized and not dependent on just Instagram or one platform. And as people move between platforms in the Web3 environment, that community can eventually move between them. And then the transactions that happen between people in this world could be led by either traditional means, which are regular credit cards, bank transfers, or it could be crypto or any other type of uh, financial instrument. And we are quite agnostic to any of this. Our goal right now is to make sure that we create the right infrastructure, the right tooling in the right regulatory framework in a privacy safe environment that allows people to experiment with the future of technology, which is what we are very, very excited about right now. And the use cases are immense, like especially like I was just thinking the other day on what could happen in health tech with experts sitting in one part of the world, being able to immersively connect with someone in another part of the world and making sure that quality education and quality healthcare is available across. These are concepts, but these concepts are not too far away. 
In fact, I was watching a funny interview from 1995 where uh, there was there were some of the leaders then of Microsoft and Apple trying to explain what the internet is. And there was a lot of laughter from the audience on, you know, this sounds a lot like radio. What will be the purpose of the internet? Why would we want to send an electronic email? So, you know, as every generation passes, there is this new innovation that seems far-fetched and then suddenly becomes quite real. None of us use a BlackBerry anymore. It was quite the thing at the time, right? Like when we had all, we all had Nokia phones, we thought, oh my God, Blackberries are awesome. And then we have like Apple phones and we have Android devices, which are completely different. So yeah, if you think from those lines, all industries over time will evolve and there's going to be a more immersive form factor that will enable all of this to happen. How do you see the collapse of FTX and the loss of confidence in cryptocurrencies in general impacting the confidence in engaging in the metaverse ecosystem? There isn't a clear definition of metaverse because so many components contribute to it and like confidence just builds over time because of many things that are happening. For example, for me, the advent of short-form immersive video and the creator ecosystem in Southeast Asia and the creator economy in Southeast Asia and how that's booming is, is a massive boost to confidence. If you think about the world, we launched we launched this thing called the Avatar Store in Thailand. Right now, in an example of NFTs, people are using the metaverse in a 2D context. But you could push these boundaries to imagine people buying digital collectibles, digital clothing, furniture, art, paintings, and really creating a completely new economy within the metaverse. So while there'll be things that will happen in the ecosystem, there'll be other things that give us a lot of confidence, which is consumer behavior, the advent of creators, the tooling that we're creating and the adoption of that tooling, the time that is spent on just innovating in this region is quite massive. Uh, I'm not fully across the details of FTX, but I can tell you for as as a new industry evolves and as any new concept evolves, there's there are always ups and downs. But the train has left the station. There's a destination. Destination is an immersive 3D world. And, and we're very excited to take that journey along with everyone else. What are your thoughts about data privacy and intellectual property rules in the metaverse? Regulations need to be updated? Absolutely. I think there is a, just from a perspective of regulation, we've always said that we would love to partner and, and, and there needs to be the right regulation in place for privacy. I'm not an expert on the on the legal aspect of things, but but for sure, like if you, if you take again a few steps back and you think of the internet, a lot of regulation followed the innovation. It might not be a bad idea to, to work constructively together as an ecosystem, not just Meta, but different companies to make sure that there is safety, there's privacy, and there is confidence in what people are doing. A large component of the internet and a large component of our work, even as uh, in, in our existing apps on Instagram, WhatsApp, Facebook, is, is around making sure that people feel safe and it's, it's, it's privacy safe. What can governments do to promote the use of the metaverse? One of the good things about the metaverse is you could divide it into three phases. For now, which is 2D experiences around commerce and communication and digital goods, uh, some of the experiences in augmented reality. In the near term, there'll be more third-party partnerships and more experiences in AR and VR created, which are which are 3D oriented. In the future, which is absolute future, we think you can imagine what the metaverse could do for SMEs, businesses, and different industries. And this could mean social events in Horizon Worlds. It could mean what you could do for training and development, what you could do for manpower, what you could do for virtual working, 
how you live and how you work could absolutely change. I think at this stage, what we need to do is is make sure we have the right partnerships, if you were the government, and make sure that we are preparing for this future because it's 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 rare that we have a chance to prepare for the future. Usually, in the world of tech, things just happen, and then everybody just catches up, right? In this case, we know that there are two or three phases to what will happen in the next 10, 15 years, and that gives us time to do that. I was actually in Indonesia for B20, and I thought the government's view on SMEs and what SMEs could do in the digital world was quite progressive. They're, they're super focused and razor focused in building skills for those SMEs and for people who work for those SMEs, and then creating the right ecosystem for businesses to innovate and VCs to invest. Is there anything that's hindering the progress, the speed of which Metaverse is catching on, Metaverse and its related technologies? Well, that's a good question. I wouldn't think so. Like, I really think that, you know, we shouldn't necessarily get into semantics, right? And, and, and really answer the question on should there be and would there be a more useful form factor for us to be able to interact with each other using technology? And the answer to that is yes. And that's what that's what we're looking at. In fact, one of the things we thought would be, you know, when we were writing this report, we looked at the macroeconomic environment right now. If there's a there's a recession that's probably coming, there's inflation, there's a there's a war, uh, there are there's a general post-pandemic lapping of commerce behavior. But despite that, what we are finding in Southeast Asia is that we are one of the most resilient regions in the world. So if you compare the rate of inflation to the rate of growth of real GDP in some of our markets, you'll find that that ratio is one of the most beneficial in our region. So even that, the short-term hiccup of what will happen uh, in the macroeconomic environment, with oil prices and inflation and, and, and the interest rates and the way they're behaving, we, we still feel that there is enough resilience in the consumers, in the ecosystem, in Southeast Asia for, for us to come out of this. So we are very optimistic about it. I don't think there are specific things holding us back, except that we have an opportunity to prepare. And I think we should lap onto that opportunity. Well, to close this interview, the metaverse will clearly see a big turning point once e-commerce platforms like Shopee, Lazada and Amazon incorporate VR and AR. So e-commerce will evolve to become metaverse commerce. If you look at the innovation that's happening in the e-com marketplace space, in the last year and a half, they have innovated and making live shopping very real. So what's happening now is people are able to socially shop on a, in a live way where there's unboxing of a product and, and people can shop with their friends and gain coupons and then shop even more. Uh, business messaging has taken off. Uh, more than a third of the businesses that we know of have interacted with a uh, with the consumer using messaging. And all of these are innovations that you can also imagine in a 3D virtual world. Uh, I'm in the market right now to buy uh, a sofa bed. That day isn't far off where I can actually uh, look at something online, uh, either on, on, on one of our platforms or on Shopee or Lazada, and then imagine it fit into the VR space that I have at home. So using AR and VR to imagine how that piece of furniture would look in my physical space at home. And that's that's a, that's a pretty powerful way of imagining an immersive world. And, and most e-commerce players are, are on board. I think they're all preparing for innovation in shopping. One of the big use cases that's most obvious 
is shopping. And this doesn't only mean shopping within the metaverse, also means being able to not go to a store, find a product on on a marketplace and imagining it size by size in your physical space and then imagining how you would look sitting on it. So those are the sort of things that that shopping is capable of in an AR, VR environment. Thank you for speaking to me and a happy new year to you. Dhruv Vora, the Managing Director of Meta Business Group, Southeast Asia. I'm Noel Lim on ASEAN Speaks by Maybank.